Hi, and welcome to Your Balance, where we discuss practical approaches to psychology, philosophy, and healthy living. I'm Daniel Talbot, and today we're going to talk about how to change your relationship with food. So I feel that when most of us diet, that it's got an expiry date on it. That a diet seems to go for a period until you achieve your goal, and then it stops. When really what we're looking for is maintained diet, a maintainment of those achievements that you've got from the diet itself. So our topic for discussion being how we're going to change the relationship with food, we're going to do that by reframing the story we have about it. So that dieting isn't strict in short term, rather it's a gradual, conscious, consistent implementation in your life. And we'll do this by focusing on the process and not the progress. Let's talk about how to change your relationship with food in that way. A relationship with anything is the sum total of memories that we have around that thing, right? That's all it is, really. It's the story we have. And food's been a part of our entire lives. And it starts with the influence from our parents. We learn from a young age that a wrong approach to food. We get told that if you finish your meal, you get dessert and clear your plate before you leave the table. See, these processes are really good at getting kids to do what the parents want, but not establishing a good relationship with food. Because what it ends up teaching us is that good food is hard and difficult, while sugary, unhealthy food is easy and a reward. It's not your parents' fault either. They were told the same kind of story. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. It was an excellent marketing move by breakfast cereal companies, and I'm sure it did them wonders for their financials. They don't have your best interests in mind. And as studies have been done, it might even show that missing breakfast might result in even more gains than having it. Now, fasting is a new trend and one we should definitely talk about. Anything you consume requires your body to process it and then that takes a lot of energy and affects your mood because it has influences on your hormones. Now, how do these things affect us? Well, even things like broccoli require some energy for us to break down and absorb. Broccoli is a plant and as plants, most of them don't want to get eaten by other things. So there's some defense mechanisms there with all those nutrients. So our body takes some effort to absorb it. Now you might be asking me, okay, Dan, what do I do? How do I have all this energy? What am I going to do without my normal food to get me through the day? Well, your body actually stores a bunch of energy in glucose in your cells and your liver that'll last for days. And not to mention, fat isn't stored just to piss you off. If you're not sold on fasting, I'll have another discussion that will hopefully sell you on that. So maybe perhaps the example of smoking might be a better way to link up and challenge your perspectives. For years, everyone was told that smoking is good for you. Just like a lot of the ideas of having breakfast in the morning is good for you. It, clearly, smoking hasn't turned out well. The point is that your views are challenged. That what you've been told about food might not actually be correct. Have your eating choices and your, your decisions around food led you to where you want to be? Now let's look at changing the story behind the food. How do we do it? Thankfully, no one can give you better advice on your diet than you. With knowledge from Google, just one little search away, we can ask the questions and get the guidance we need. Normally, even without Google, you know what's good versus bad. You might not think you do, but I believe that you do. Salad or chips. From this, we can often tell what foods we should and shouldn't be having. 
A diet just gives us a more detailed outline of more rules and a fake sense of accomplishment whilst we're doing it. We're focusing on the outcome and not the steps and the reasons why. To help change the story behind food and apply what we already know about foods we should eat, we've got to ask the following question. If I eat, if I eat this, how will I feel in 10 minutes, one hour, one day and one week? Eating something that you understand isn't in line with what's healthy for you might feel good for the moment. But being able to pause before you eat something and ask yourself the question allows you to think that maybe I'll feel full in 10 minutes, disappointed an hour, truly upset in a day, and in a week, I won't even remember the food. This is how we change the story with food. Food that we initially thought were giving us pleasure because of the immediate gratification suddenly becomes something negative over a long enough period. And when we start looking at good foods, we can see the positive effects that they have. From this, we can develop something called conscious eating. Conscious eating is the main takeout from this discussion. This is where you understand what food does for you personally, how caffeine might affect some people more than others. Some food might do that for you too as well. And then from that, you can understand when and why you want to apply that food in your life. And all this from just pausing and asking a question. And from this question, we can realize that a big part of conscious eating is limiting the questions that you have. Questions like, is this good for me? Is there too many carbs? Should I be eating this? How much of this should I be eating this? Are all difficulties and give you more opportunities to mess up. By asking and limiting to just one question, the question I provided can be really useful. But even more so than that, if you choose to fast, there's only one question that you need to ask. Can I eat this? Not yet, is always the same answer. And that shortcuts the process. The brain takes up 20% of your daily energy needs. So the less we can get it to do, the more energy you're gonna to have to put elsewhere. How else can I develop conscious eating? Well, you can try my courses at courses.your-balance.org. The situation I provided you earlier with parents offering you dessert as a reward after dinner is an example of a trigger. A trigger is something that is a precursor to something else, something that leads on to something else. You know, when you think about food, you salivate. Uh, thinking about food is a trigger and salivating is the response. We have triggers in our life for many, many things and food and eating is one of them. A trigger might be TV, late at night, and then you have a snack. Just like when your body is getting ready to go to bed and you lie down, you start to go to sleep. Same when you sit down and watch that TV, your body gets into that same routine and looks for food. Now, we can break this story where your body thinks TV, late, snacks. We can break it down by removing that TV, the trigger. When we remove that trigger, the story doesn't make sense anymore. And now you're consciously removing the fact that you're eating those snacks. Today, we talked about how to implement conscious eating in your life by changing your relationship with food. By asking the right questions, limiting choices, and focusing on the process, not the progress, you can create consistent changes in lifestyle habits that are suited for you. To summarize, here are a couple takeouts. Change the story, aim for conscious eating, limit the choices, and identify triggers.